This new year, we've been looking at a series of messages entitled Called Living Life on Purpose. We've been looking at some of the call stories in the Bible. There are several of them. And the disclaimer for the series, or not a disclaimer, but something I, I want to make sure gets heard loud and clear, is that a called life is not just for clergy or religious professionals. Sometimes people think that. A called life is not just for the young and those starting out in life. Someone who is retired can live a called life just as much as someone who's beginning college. I believe this. Anyone in any profession at any time can live a called life, a life that's lived with some sense that God is at work using you to make the world more the way God wants the world to be. So we've been looking at some of these call stories. Today we're looking at the call of Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15 is our text. Genesis 18, 1 to 15, the call of Sarah. For those of you who are able, would you please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word in preparation for the proclamation of the gospel. And listen now for the word of the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick! Get three shias of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah, they asked. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out, <laughs> and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I, I, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of God for the people of God, and thanks be to God. When they had first married, everybody kidded Abraham about robbing the cradle. He was 24 and Sarah was 15, but they were in love. His parents were relieved that he was finally settling down. Her parents were disturbed that they were losing their baby girl. Many around them whispered to themselves, it won't last. But 75 years later, Many of those who doubted had long been dead, and Abraham, now 99, and Sarah, 90, celebrated their diamond anniversary, 75 years of marriage. You remember Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey told the whole Mediterranean world that morning, congratulations go out to the Oaks of Mamre, where Abraham and Sarah celebrate 75 years of wedded bliss. That's a lot of toothpaste. Their marriage was a happy one. They had a lovely home, nothing fancy but comfortable. Both had enjoyed good health, and neither had ever been in a hospital before. Perhaps their only real disappointment, perhaps their only real disappointment had been that they never had any children. They loved kids and always saw themselves with a house full of them, but it was, it was not to be. Some 50 years earlier, Sarah had reluctantly gathered up the baby clothes that she had made, along with a high chair and a baby bed that Abraham had made, and they put them in a yard sale. It was their final and painful concession to their reality. Now at ages 99 and 90, their hopes and dreams had long since faded. But amazingly, they had not grown bitter. But they years ago had resolved themselves to be the favorite aunt and uncle of all their many nieces and nephews, and so they were. All the nieces and all the nephews wanted to spend the night at Aunt Sarah's and Uncle Abe's. She made the best pancakes. He told the best bedtime stories. You could eat in the living room. And you could jump on the beds and have pillow fights. There were very few rules and lots of fun. Now, like most people who don't have children of their own, Abraham and Sarah rather enjoyed spoiling other people's kids and sending them back home to let their parents figure out how to detox them later. Children loved Abraham and Sarah, and everyone always said, you know, they would make such good parents. Seventy-five years of marriage, and their only real disappointment was no children. It just wasn't meant to be, or so they had always believed. It was an early afternoon, and Abraham was about to lay down for his early afternoon nap, he had a mid-afternoon nap and a late afternoon nap. 
And as he prepared to lay down for his nap, three mysterious strangers appear. Sarah probably would have dismissed them, turned them away. She was always suspicious of people always trying to sell something. But Abraham always welcomed everybody. He even welcomed the Jehovah's Witness people in. They just want to talk, he say. What's, what's the harm in a little conversation? Abraham welcomed everybody. And he welcomed these three visitors in. He had their feet washed, which was the custom of courtesy and hospitality. He had Sarah prepare a homemade meal of bread and roast beef and curds and milk gravy, which was his favorite. And as these three strangers enjoyed the meal, one of the men toward the end of the meal asked Abraham about his wife. Where is Sarah, your wife? And Abraham says, she's over there. And then, completely out of nowhere, he went on to say something so absurd, so unthinkable, so rude if it meant that he was playing some cruel joke. He said, I will return this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Abraham was speechless. And for the first time he realized that these three men weren't three men at all, but they were three messengers from God. They were three angels sent from God and Sarah, who had been listening outside the room, she just couldn't help herself, and, and she laughed to herself. After I'm, I'm worn out and my Lord is, my Lord is old, we're going to have this pleasure? Sarah laughed. It wasn't a laugh laugh. It wasn't like the laugh of children on the playground. It wasn't like the laugh at a funny joke or watching your favorite comedy on television. It wasn't a cruel or hurtful laugh or the painful laugh of being laughed at. Sarah's laugh was the laugh of disbelief. It was the laugh that comes when we face something that to us is unbelievable, something that is impossible, something that is too hard to imagine. Sarah couldn't help herself. It just came out. All she could think about was being the first woman to give birth in the geriatric ward and have Medicare pick up the tab. She meant no disrespect. She didn't even think anyone heard her laugh. And later she tried to deny it. But she had laughed. She'd laughed. And can anybody here blame her? What this stranger, this messenger was telling her was impossible. It was too hard. Sarah's laughter only stopped when she heard the question of the messenger. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything impossible? For the Lord? That's a good question. It's always been a good question for people of faith. It's, 
It was a good question when Moses stood before Pharaoh and wanting to free his people but not thinking he had what it took to be able to do so. It, it was a good question when young David, before long before he was a king, he was just this little child with a sling and three stones. And as he stood before the Philistine giant Goliath, it was a good question when Joseph, when Joseph first heard Mary was pregnant before they were married. It was a great question. When Jesus hung on the cross and people passed by and just laughed. It's always been a good question. Is anything is anything too hard for the Lord? It's probably the most important question that any of us ever asked trying to live a faith journey over the long haul. In fact, the way we answer this question really determines whether or not we have any lasting, persevering, not ever letting go or ever giving up kind of faith. Is anything too hard is anything impossible for the Lord a year later and a lot of laughter later Sarah gave birth to a son a healthy baby boy people joked about how he looked so much like Abraham no hair and no teeth And you remember his name. His name was Isaac. Itzak in Hebrew. You know what Itzak means? Isaac means laughter. Sarah gave birth to her laughter. As I was preparing for this message, I went back into the folder that had this text in it, and I was looking, I was curious when I preached on this passage the first time. And the first time I ever preached on this passage, the notes from the sermon were there, and it was June 1993. Man, I'm getting old. The first time I ever wrestled with this text, June 1993, that year doesn't mean much to you all in relation to me and my family, but it was a year later, the year after that, one year, the summer of 1994, in our family, myself and Marion, we decided we would reach out to the Mary Kendall home and their adoption services and just inquire what might it take to adopt a child Later that summer, early fall, there was an adoption picnic, and so we decided we're going to go to this picnic. We'll ask questions. We'll find out what's going on. It was sometime later that uh, we realized that the weekend we went to the picnic and we decided coming out of that weekend, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this. We don't know where it's going. We don't know what it will mean, but we are going to do this. And it was that same weekend that there was a child born halfway around the world. 
that same weekend. And if you fast forward from fall of 1994, a year after the first time I wrestled with this passage, fast forward to March 14th, 1995, we were at the Louisville International Airport, gate 14. And a lady from Michigan who was retired, but her retirement job, she didn't get paid for it, but her retirement job, how would you like this? She would go and she would take babies to their new families. And she flew from Detroit to Louisville, Kentucky. And she handed Marion, that was a good call, she handed Marion first this bundle of Korean joy. And there's some things I don't remember about that day, but the main thing that I do remember about that day, Marion's family was there, my family was there, preacher friends of mine had come from a meeting that they actually had here in Louisville, and eight or ten of them were there. And what I remember most is that there was so much laughter we were just laughing our heads off. And so, I wish parents would stop lying to their children. Where do babies come from? Where do babies come from? The stork, that is ridiculous. Stop that. We've taught Jericho, babies, babies come from airplanes. Don't tell him any different. He still believes that. Babies, babies come from airplanes. My question is this. I don't know what you brought with you today. Are you facing something that feels to you way too hard? Something that feels impossible? some new challenge, some decision, something that is unclear or unknown or unthinkable or unimaginable, something that makes you either want to laugh or cry. I suggest to you the call of Sarah reminds us of at least two things that are true. The first thing that is true that we learn from Sarah is that it is okay when the call of God comes to you, when God is leading you in some different direction or some decision, that it's okay to laugh in disbelief. It's okay to doubt and to be uncertain. Notice Sarah's laughter did not disqualify her from the promise of God. God did not move on to another village and another tent. Well, Sarah can't be the mother of all these nations, she laughed. She didn't believe us at first. No, her laughter, her doubt, her uncertainty did not disqualify her from the promise of God. And second and last, God's promise, God's grace, God's faithfulness, 
God's desire to bring light out of darkness and new life out of death. Friends, God's grace always, always, write it down, always has the last laugh. God's grace gets the last laugh. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of your call on our life, even to this moment. We thank you for the twists and the turns, the detours and the side roads. We thank you for startling news and unimaginable possibilities. We thank you for the gift, the gift of your presence, the gift of your grace. That no matter what we face, contrary to what we see, and contrary to what sometimes we experience in our own lives, we thank you that your grace, your faithfulness, always has the last laugh in this life and in all eternity. And all God's children of laughter did say, Amen.